The following is a presentation of the Chicago Bears Network and ChicagoBears.com. Download the Chicago Bears official mobile app for up-to-the-minute Bears content every day. And now, welcome to Bears All Access, your all-access pass into Chicago Bears football. Bears All Access is brought to you by IGS Energy and sponsored by Miller Lite, CDW, and Ford. Hey everybody, Jeff Joniak with you with my broadcast partner from News Radio 780, 105.9 FM, WBBM, the 85 Bear, Tom Thayer in the score studio. And former Bears quarterback Jim Miller joining us. As always, welcome into the program. Bears All Access presented by IGS Energy. Fellas, how are we all doing? What where is your heads at right now? Where we we got a couple you, weeks to go. I don't you know, Jim may feel the same way I do. The last month before training camp always started as a player, it was the worst mood of my month. And I didn't want to talk to people. I didn't want to see anybody. I just wanted to sit in a room by myself and wait for that to begin. Now it's different because just they take a little bit better care of you. But I don't know how, Jim, as a player, you live that last month before training camp because that's when it, that's the real stuff. That's when it really starts. Yeah, I don't, I don't want to get, uh, what do I want to say, dark, but uh, it was kind of like being in a prison. It was a prison sentence, like Tom said, because you do, you're doing the countdown of the days until your freedom is finally there. You just unleash yourself on a football field. But I felt the same way. It was always on my mind. I was always anxious. You're always questioning yourself. Have I done enough to prepare? And knowing that I did. Knowing that I did, but you, you always have those questions, and hey, and, you know, finally it, it's there and it's upon you. But uh, you know, it's, it was constantly twenty four seven that you were thinking about it, things you wanted to do, things you wanted to accomplish, and if you did enough uh, to really raise your level of play every off season. Honestly, the average person would say, "Now wait a minute, this is a, a game that uh, you know you're playing a kid's game at a man's level, yep. and you're getting paid very nicely for it. You should be excited to get." But no one really knows the inner workings of the day-to-day grind, especially when you guys played and Tom, but, but it's, it, it's, it was it was difficult. It's your living. It's your life. Yeah. It's your livelihood. It's your financial uh, stability, your, your opportunity to gain a, a, some ground on your finances as you get older because it's not going to get – you're not going to um, – solve your finance situation when you played football back in our era. You had to play as long as you can to earn the opportunities you earn. So, you know, just the everyday competitiveness of it and that thought that is in your mind, it's just... How mentally stressed were both of you? Seriously. If you had a bad day at practice in training camp... With a guy breathing yeah. down your neck. Well, I'll talk from from my person. See, it's not like you know I wasn't a first round pick. I was a six rounder out of Michigan State. You know, I believed in myself and knew I had talent. But literally, my rookie year, I broke my hand, broke my hand, my livelihood. And they mm. said, "You're done." I got in one preseason game. How did it uh, happen? I th- uh, Jason Gilden came in. We were doing third down. I got thrown in with the first team in Latrobe, PA. I was playing extremely well. I was. I think they were thinking of making me the two because I thought at that point I was beating out Mike Tomsack, me personally. And I think that's why they were throwing me in with the ones more because I'd come off a really two good scrimmages against Washington and Buffalo, uh, played well, and then we were doing a blitz period. And Jason Gilden came in and we were throw. I was throwing a pass and Gilden swatted at my hand. I broke my thumb and mm. tore the ligaments. In my in my thumb, and that shelved me for that year. I'm like, man, are they going to keep me? Is what's going to happen? Uh, so I felt I was on the bubble to begin with because uh, Andy Kelly, he was a big arena league star at that point. He was the fourth quarterback. He had played a lot. He was older than me at that point, so I knew there wasn't a given, and he was having a good camp too. 
And, uh, you know, so I didn't even know coming out of that training camp. And then the next year they draft Cordell Stewart. I'm playing in the world league and I break my wrist, my livelihood. (laughs) So I thought that year I was going to get cut. I came back and had the camp of my life and, uh, they kept four quarterbacks. And that was back when, you know, very rare did that happen that they keep four quarterbacks and they did that year too. It's but two years I came, but I made the team with injuries, believe it or not. You got to drink more milk. (laughs) (laughs) See now, you know, you, you, Sixth round pick, Tom. Yeah, and but he's a quarterback now. Yep. That 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 car- that's like being a fourth rounder because everybody wants to find the quarterback. And and Dick Duran used to tell me all the time if Jim could have stayed healthy, he'd have been a Pro Bowl quarterback. Right. Um, but did you ever hear or read? And don't tell me you didn't read. Did you ever hear the term? Well, he's never going to make it, or God forbid, he's a bust. Forget about it. For me personally, I I knew I could play. You know, I knew when I stacked up in that first camp gave me a lot of confidence where I said, I belong here. I, I knew that. But sometimes in the NFL, it's things are happenstance. You get labeled, you know, early. You know, I had injuries early in my career. Oh, is he injury prone? I had, you know, two separated shoulders in college, you know. Hmm. So, you know, so you got to overcome all those things and then, you know, work yourself and kind of shed those labels. And I had been bounced around the league. And when I arrived to Chicago, I knew from my standpoint, I was mentally and physically ready. Hmm. I was, you know, even though they had drafted Kate McDowell and Shane Matthews was there, I was ready and I knew I could, I could do well. But, you know, unfortunately for me, that injury bug returned, you know, torn Achilles tendons, shoulder injuries, you know, you, you name it, you kind of go through, but, you know, mentally at that point, I knew I could play and I knew I, I belonged to start uh, in the NFL. I, I knew that personally and I, I knew I could do it. Tom, you were a warrior out there, to say the least. Were you ever in a position in a, in a game or a practice when you thought there is not a chance I can play through this pain I'm in at the moment and still was able to do it? Because you didn't miss anything. No, but, you know, it's funny that we were playing the Pittsburgh Steelers once in the second play, the, the second to last play of the first half, we were running a screen and I went to stop my guy and then release him and go out on the screen. And when I stopped and planted my foot... I snapped my plantar fasciate, and it hurt so bad I, I couldn't believe it. So I made it through the next play, and then I ran into the locker room and took all my foot off, my shoe off and everything, and then I got my foot injected. Right, and I think you've told me this story on a right. team plane one time. That the needle was, it was huge. The, the whole experience is brutal because they shot all around your foot on top of it and underneath it. You don't want to get into that story. But anyways, that, that was one of the challenges because the instance of um, discomfort – it hurts you, and then you say, okay, I got 12 minutes at halftime. Let's get this taken care of. And now the next six or seven weeks were awful. How it, but, you know. Aside from, and this is going to put you in a position where you're talking about yourself, and I know you don't like this, but you're, you're, you were physically gifted. You worked your tail off in the weight room. You made yourself strong and ready to play snap after snap after snap for a long period of time. But there's a mental component. Were you a, a mentally stronger than you were physically stronger. Yes. But that came from my mom and dad. It did. And it, it is, you know, I, I give, where do you give credit where credit is due? You know, my dad worked outdoors every day of his life for 43 years. My mom's 86 and she still goes to work every day. So you, you, you do develop it, but you're also given the good genes and the, and the good, you know, upbringing 
to try to challenge yourself like that. We're going to take a break. Uh, the interesting aspect of asking two former NFL players who played long careers is that you're getting ready for training camp here in a couple of weeks, and all these same topics will be discussed with the current 90-man edition of the 2018 Chicago Bears. You're finding out who's physically, who's mentally strong and ready to roll. You're listening to Bears All Access on Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. And welcome back to Bears All Access, everybody. This is brought to you by IGS Energy, a proud partner of the Chicago Bears, providing electricity, natural gas, and home warranty products to over 1 million customers across the country. Learn more about IGS Energy at IGS.com. Jeff Joniak, Tom Thayer, Jim Miller with you on another edition of Bears All Access. Counting it down, really, to training camp. I don't know if you guys had a chance to check out ChicagoBears.com. It's been all over Twitter and all the different platforms. Uh, the Bears put out information and features the Meet the Rookie series. It, it kicked off um, last week, and it features Roquan Smith, the linebacker, Anthony Miller, uh, James Daniels, and Joel Iwe Beno- Bino- no. But James, I, I, I just messed it up. But anyway, James isn't on there yet, is he? <laughs> yeah, oh yeah. I just saw it. Yeah, it's okay, on, must there. Have come all, all on there. Okay, on there. Okay, because I saw the first three. Yeah. So, and uh, Jim, I don't know if you've had time to uh, yep. to see those, but. They're really revealing about the roots of what they're all about, where they came from and the coaching they got. No different than the two of you, how you guys were raised from the grade school level all the way through high school, college, and into the NFL. But I I love the journeys, man. They tell a story and and all their different people who touch their lives in the way of football or their parents. It's it's really interesting to to see the journey of where where and these guys appear to me to be very mentally well. You tough know what's funny is we're all slapped with a little bit of reality early in our sports life in some way, shape, or form because the two linebackers of the Bear drafted were first interested in basketball, and then something introduced them to the sport of football, and that's where mentally, physically, and with the enthusiasm, that's when they really flourished into what they became, which is really interesting. And then when you watch Anthony Miller. Mm. This guy. How about those routes he's running? But right, this this guy is straight up self made. Mm. There is there is there is no boutique about him. And this guy, I, I can't wait to see what becomes of his career because what he's invested in. And Jim's talked about trusting himself as a quarterback when he knew he could play. This is Anthony is always. I'm all in on myself, and I, I tell you, and that piece was really interesting to see. To give even more of a presence of it. Well, I think you you do see teams paying attention more to, you know, the just the character of a young. Because I do think the Bears drafted all character guys. You know, from Roquan even to Iggy, who you're referring to. Uh, if you read that guy's background, he's got an interesting background. I thought it was interesting his coach. And if you go to ChicagoBears.com and, and read the rookie series, Mike Sanford, who's who's yeah. was his coach in college, just said, "Hey, th- this guy is a number one character guy off the field." Just he goes, "I want my kids around him." All day. So these are solid citizens, number one. Because I think sometimes we get caught up in not realizing that there's a human being underneath that helmet. Granted, you you see the player uh, in the game with the with the helmet on, but there is a human element side of this, and and what these these players not only are going to be as football players, but as citizens in general. Because we should all uh, care about that at, at the end of the day. And I think they drafted a lot of solid character guys who one care about football tremendously because they're they're 
they are driven by the sport that they love to be successful. But even if they weren't playing football, they'd be successful as well. Uh, Joel E.A. Booneyway is the proper pronunciation, and that's a part of the piece as well. But whenever I hear student of the game from a coach at any level, my ears perk up. I'm all, I'm all about that because that's kind of the plan. Ryan Pace wants smart football players. Right. Uh, if you don't, I mean, we've seen many interviews. Well, you, ha- you have and, to be smart in well, order to play the sport at this level because you see the complexity of what the coach's requirements but, but are. But there are guys that are not. Then they don't play. Uh, but hold on now. So the guys that don't have the FBI, the football intelligence that scouts always attach. And, Jim, you, you talk to head coaches more than Tom and I do. You, you talk to them all. There are not many things you can do with a guy that doesn't have football intelligence unless they're athletically gifted. They get a chance. And they're usually, in many cases, well, if they're not football well, smart, they are first-round well, picks with a lot of talent that they never realized they So All right, say you take a guy like J.J. Uh, Watt. So J.J. Watt, say he didn't know a lot about scheme defensive football, but he uses explosiveness to be so disruptive that that's what he did. If you take a guy on offense and you think he's just going to freelance, no, your whole offense is going to be disrupted. So there may be certain superior skilled positions that you could take and put a guy out. If you put Reggie White anywhere in the defensive line and didn't even tell him the defense, just tell him to do what he wanted to do at the snap of the ball. That was Junior Seau. He did what he had lived his whole career, but he was Hall of Fame caliber. Right. I mean, guys like that, you know, there are there's a difference between instincts and football intelligence. Would you agree, fellas? Yeah, Yeah, I'll agree with that. Well, I remember when I was in Pittsburgh, we played San Diego, and I remember Ron Earhart was our offensive coordinator. He said, "Guys, Junior Seau, this guy guesses a lot. (laughs) He'll he'll attack the wrong gap, you know, because he would he would look at our formation. He just kind of, you know, using FBI and guessed wrong." Sometimes and we we gashed him for for big plays, but he was a tremendous player. And when he was right, of course he was right and could could stuff the play. But early in his career, he was out there like any other rookie with a, a chicken with a head cut off uh, in his younger years, and a lot of times just relied on his athleticism and he could recover and still make plays and things like that. What you you know, much like the discussions we've had about Brian Urlacher, who is another Hall of Fame player. You know, and good for Brian going in this year. But you know, I bring up that that training camp story all the time, where he guessed wrong, attacked the the lead, and it was a good play fake, but yet had the ability to recover. But later in Brian's career, because he did have football intelligence and instinctive and all those things, and he was dealing with the the knee injury, Brian was still out there uh, playing, making plays because his football awareness, his knowledge of the game. Had, had grown to a level that he may have been slower in terms of the athletic ability, but was still able to make plays just due to his intelligence and knowledge of the game and love of the game, uh, like so many players are able to do over their NFL Luke careers. Keekly, you know, you yeah. look at a guy in this generation that plays on instincts, you know, he doesn't look the part, but he plays the part. When you played offensive line and you knew a guy across from you guessed a lot, did that make it more difficult for you to defend or to block him and execute your game plans or not? Yeah, a, a guy that really guessed and you didn't couldn't predict what direction he was going to go in. All you had to do is you had to trust your fundamentals because that's the one thing with footwork and Coach Stanfeld, he always built in, look, this guy's going to go one of three ways. Your footwork, if you stay fundamentally sound, is always going to be your savior. And that's, you know, that's something you all – I think anybody that goes out there, no matter what position they have, they play, they have to go out there and rely on what they've been taught all week and all their life. Meet the rookies, by the way. Uh, 
It can be found on ChicagoBears.com, the free Chicago Bears official app brought to you by Verizon and Bears social media channels, including Facebook Watch. So a couple of things. James Daniel, he's 20. So it was brought up in the piece. That is a seemingly, okay, the 20-year-old James Daniel. He dismisses that because he says, hey, I'll be going up against 35-year-old guys as well. He says it doesn't matter. Does the age matter? No. You know, when I first got out of college, I went right into the USFL, and I was like 20 years <laughs> old or something. And I think one of the first guys I played against was a defensive lineman named Coy Bacon. And I oh, think yeah. he was San Diego Chargers. He was 40 when I was 20. Coy Bacon. Yes. And Are you so, kidding me? No, but listen, I could throw out a lot of USFL names that I played against that were vintage. But again, I, I had so much. F- the confidence in myself that it didn't matter the experience of the guys. Hey, here's against. a question for both of you. So you go up against a 40-year-old man yeah. or a 35-year-old man when you're 20, 21. Do you feel their strength or do they feel your strength as a young man who was <laughs> dedicated to the weight room? Because they always say when you get to the league, you feel the, the maturity of them physically, not just mentally. Or am I, I mean, no, base? no, strength with the strength – Strength was always my confidence from college through pros, but you always had to be aware of guys that had great experience and instincts. Keith Millard, when he won defensive MVP of the league with the Minnesota Vikings, he had such superior quickness and and such great innate ability to understand the snap count that sometimes he was untouchable. You know, so there are guys that you know played with played with greatness. That yeah, you're scared. The entire week of preparing for him, and then the whole time you're playing against him. Jim, did anybody ever force you to drop your eyes when you went back to throw because you were worried about them coming to get you? Um, no, I I was broken in pretty good early with Greg Lloyd and Kevin Green on the other side. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, I I literally, with that if they would come in and punch me in the gut, you know, you're not supposed to hit the quarterback. They just were chest testing me to see how tough I was. But so I didn't have to deal with the strength part of it, but the mental part of it. I did because, one, we had a lot of veteran players. Obviously, Rod Woodson's a, a, a pro bowler, had to go against him and Carnell Lake and the great defensive players that we had, which tested me early. And we'd scrimmage. Like, I remember we went and scrimmaged the Washington Redskins and Daryl Green. They mm. they threw me in with the first team against the Washington Redskins' first team defense. And I remember, you know, veterans who were savvy as Daryl Green. I mean, the guy played forever. What was it, 17 years the guy played or 20 years? Uh, he He could mess with you. You know, it looked like it was going to be press at the snap of the ball. He'd do a press bail. He, he'd manipulate and, and try to get in your head from a veteran standpoint and just things that you had to, to learn and overcome a, as a rookie. So, you know, that, those were great experiences for me uh, growing up. But, you know, the, the physical aspect of, of it never really was there where, you know, you know you're going to get hit. You know, you just you absorb it and you take it. And you got to be able to look down the, the barrel of a gun sometimes. You know it's coming. And so you just, you know, you got to learn to take it. And I think it – you know, it it shows your toughness to other players in your locker room that, you know, on your team that you're willing to take the punishment just like they do. And, uh, but, you know, in terms of experience and younger players going against old and, 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 uh, you'll, you'll know this name when I say it, Tom, Carlton Hasselrig. You remember him? Yeah, of course. Carlton Hasselrig. The great wrestler, right? Yeah. yeah. The year before, no, no, the two years before I got to the bear or to the Steelers, he, Basically, this guy won like a, a championship in wrestling. Yeah. The guy was basically a backup his rookie year. His second year, he's inserted as a starter, goes to a Pro Bowl. Wow. A Pro Bowl. And but that would have been my third year. So I arrived, get drafted. He got hurt the same day I got hurt breaking my thumb that I mentioned earlier. 
And Carlton had a lot of off-the-field issues, drug problems, all those type of things. And the day that Carlton and I went to the hospital to get checked, that's when he left camp. But in in one year's time, that guy went from no playing time Mm. to a Pro Bowl because he was that good and that talented of a player. And never played football. Extremely rare. We're going to take a break. Tom Thayer and Jim Miller gracing us with their stories from days gone by. When we come back, let's take a real quick look at the Bears as they head to training camp and what we'll be looking for. Get some thoughts on that. This is Bears All Access on Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. Get the latest Bears news, photos, and videos delivered straight to your mobile device. Download the Chicago Bears official mobile app presented by Verizon. Jeff Joniak, Tom Thayer, Jim Miller here on another edition of Bears All Access, counting you down to training camp. I mentioned you can get some of these uh, Bears rookie features that were done, meet the rookies, four players on these sites and so forth. And I want to go back to Anthony Miller because we had him on a couple of weeks ago. He's obviously brimming with confidence. He wants to be one of the best receivers in football history. He's not shy about saying it, but I want to go back to some of the highlights and stuff that I've watched. And you guys watch the piece, the quickness of his footwork and his cuts are so sharp. You don't often see route runners coming into the league that precise and quick and really sharp running guys off out of the slot, uh, beating guys with a burst to get to the football. Does he have top end speed? He's got enough speed, but that route running, it makes him fat. I'm excited to see him in this offense. And just when he doesn't have to think about it, let it rip. Because his route running, to me, is special. You know, I, I think Jerry Rice's career became about route running because he wasn't blessed with blazer speed, but he was blessed with great route running, and he paid attention to it. So um, you think of the two backgrounds of the two players. Listen, I'm not comparing him to Jerry Rice. He hasn't caught one pass yet in the NFL. However, when I watched the piece and I looked, of the determination of a player, his desire to be great. That's as important to me as any of the highlights I've seen up until this point because this kid only wants to get better. And and I just I'm really excited to watch it develop and I really pull for him because he's you know, he's that type of guy that he's never get first round credentials, but man, he could be a, a Hall of Famer at the end of it all. Yeah, I'm I'm excited about him. I think he's tough, not only mentally, but physically uh, Jeff, as you said, his, his feet are like pistons. Now. Oh my they are just a rapid fire. The way he sets people up, he's got head fakes. He can close on defensive backs uh, really quick. He's got the the quickness at the top of his the, the stem of his route. And like you said, some may question his long ball speed. All you do is see him make a big play he after goes big and gets play, it. and nobody's catching him. Right. And that's another thing. His ability to track the ball is another thing. But all three levels of the defense is not safe with this young man. Here's what I got to so, say about it too. When I, if I have to slow down the tape just to figure out how he managed with his feet to get by his defender, I, I had to keep slowing it down. How did he do that? He he, he sinks well, as you said. That that those feet are like pistons. They are running nonstop at the line of scrimmage, not even getting touched in press coverage. I mean, granted, it's going to change at the NFL level. Well, are that's a wow. Are Taylor Gabriel and um, are they on the field at the same time? Heck yeah, they're going to be right. I, I, well, I mean, what, where are what position will they be following? Are they going to play all the receiver positions across the board, or is Anthony Miller going to be starting at one position specifically at the start of of training camp just to get? introduced to the system or are is this offense big enough for he and Taylor Gabriel on the line of scrimmage at the same time? Double oh, slots, I, Jim? Yeah, well, yeah, I can see that happen or say bunch sets. 
you know, think about, you know, how teams sub defensively. Let's say, I mean, you know, the defense that the Bears are playing, maybe two DBs go down. And you know the, the secondary defensive backs that are coming in maybe are slower afoot. Yeah, you'd want to attack their weaknesses. Nothing better than getting two speedy guys out there. So bunch sets where it maybe causes the defense to contract a little bit, and now you got these two little speed demons coming out of those bunch sets. We used to have a big bunch set with, obviously, David Terrell and Marty Booker and, and Des White, but we had smaller guys too when we wanted to get more speed out of it, and we just explode out of these bunch sets and just be on those defensive backs so quickly that they'd be behind them before you could uh, uh, as quick as a hiccup. So I, th- I think they will have opportunities for that where they'll probably put out, you know, have a speed package that they'll they'll put out there on, on offense where maybe they want to take a shot play or something like that if the situation calls for it. Or, you know, again, uh, you know, just mismatches that we talk about. If maybe a, you know, a, a defensive back goes down in a, in, a, in a team that elects to play their base defense and keep their, their regular D out there, and you've got some opportunities to maybe get in a foot race with your opponent just because their personnel isn't going to match up with the speed the Bears now present. They didn't have that a year ago. Bears, that's a legitimate package in their offense now. Red zone, I think, is going to be extremely different. I mean, the Bears have struggled in red zone scoring, no, no doubt about it. They have now a wide variety of red zone options from big guys catching fade routes to tight ends, all capable of being a red zone weapon to the running backs out of the backfield to guys like Taylor Gabriel and a guy like Anthony Miller. And hopefully Kevin White stays healthy. I mean, there, I I am very high on what the red zone package might look like for the Chicago. You know, uh, would you guys agree? Yeah. You know, the athleticism of um, the quarterback position and then Trey Burton, I think right there, those are kind of two matchups that's kind of hard to deal with in that short zone. But then you add all the other pieces in place. I think it's going to be, you know, to me, the the biggest, the guy that overwhelmed me the most throughout all the OTAs was Trey Burton. I just think that he's a, a, a matchup nightmare no matter and who tries to cover. And he hasn't had that much uh, opportunity right. because well, of what he had. So this is going to be interesting. It's and like it, Jim talking about Carl targets. Hasselrig not playing yeah. and then coming in and being a pro bowler. You know, Trey Burton gets an opportunity to have more exposure. Just hope the best happens. Yeah, I mean, for, for him, you know, with Selleck and, and obviously Ertz there in Philadelphia, and he here he is just marinating and behind <laughs> the scenes, doing his thing, getting better every year. And then, you know, they use him in, in key moments for big plays, almost like a, a secret weapon. He He's not a secret weapon anymore. He's going to be a premier part, I think, uh, of the Bears' offense, like what Tom talked about. And then other guys that need to be a red zone presence. I mean, Allen Robinson is a big physical receiver. He's got to be a red zone presence. I think Adam Shaheen. He's mm-hmm. got to take a next step. He's got basketball skills that what he can play above the rim, and you know he needs to be a red zone presence. Well, he had three red zone right. touchdowns last year, and yeah. there were eight games when he didn't even get targeted. I, I, I got a realistic question that we got to talk when we talk about Allen Robinson from from the very first regular season game. Is he? I mean, are, are you? Are, do we have expectations that he's going to be the number one receiver for the Bears? Or, I mean, are we expecting too much from him too early? And, because you know, of the injury recovery? We are, yes, we are talking about numbers. How about if he recovered from an injury in the last eight games he had 60 catches? You know, no, I, go uh, ahead, Jim. I'm sorry. I, I, I hear you. I, you know, they're going to monitor his workload. 
and obviously where he's at and all the Cybex testing. And, and of course, they're going to talk to the player. Just you and I have been through that, Tom. And, and I think they're going to be very cognizant to not overwork that knee early. Uh, I do. And it may, it may limit his touches and his reps early in games. And I'm you know, okay maybe, with that. Yeah. And uh, yeah, maybe the first game he's in there, 30 snaps instead of 65. And I, and I think you're right. The It's, again, not how you start. It's how you finish. And I think they want him to finish strong. But And you're hoping I'm with you. Like, by week, you know, I don't know when it's going to be, whether it's week four, week five, week six, maybe it's week eight, that finally, hey, uh, I'm ready to go. Give me more. I well, it'll can be take interesting. More. It'll be a challenge for him because he, he was on the field for 97% of the snaps when, in Jacksonville. Right. But, you know, when you, when you look at Trubisky and you look at um, – Tariq Cohen, and you look at Taylor Gabriel, and you look at Anthony Miller. There's there's not a lot of big guys right there, but you look at Trey Burton, and, and then you bring in Allen Robinson, and you bring in Kevin White. Then you add, you know, then you have a, the contribution of size. But we don't know what we're going to get out of Kevin, well, I, you know. And so it's just it's just weird to think of the pieces that they're ultimately going to have. It's just that I hope that people don't have unrealistic. Well, let me let well, me. That's a great, wait, let me th- just say this real quick because we're we're talking about and everybody does right now. You talk about the glowing aspects of what could be and we're we're all realistic here too i don't mean to make this seem like the bears are going to be piling up you know 600 points i'm just saying that the potential for it to develop over the course of the year i'm not saying it's going to be that way day one but it could you never know and we are i mean i think we are realistic offenses take time to marinate and this is going to take time yeah i think the defense is going to have to be strong early to keep Bears in games until the Bears kind of ignite. And I do. I think they'll be a touchdown better than what they – I mean, 16 points is nothing in the end. That's what they average for an entire year. They are just much more prepared to explode as an offense. Now, again, will that catch fire week four, week five? Maybe when Allen Robinson is 100% healthy and and they can finally come together as, as an offense. But even early, if that is the case where they're managing Allen Robinson's – you know. Uh, um, reps and how many snaps that he gets, I still think they have the ability to do it. If Kevin White is then moved to X for the other 30 plays or say they they do personnel sets, who knows, maybe Trey Burton will be out there as an X and you got a three-by-one set with Trey Burton. Is the defense going to put a safety out there? Because that's what Kansas City did with Travis Kelsey. Now, I'm not calling Trey Burton Travis Kelsey or Zach Ertz or anybody. He's his own guy, but they know enough about him that I think they signed him for a reason where you can do some things offensively and you're still much better and can present more as an offense that's going to create a lot of problems for those guys on defense where I think the Bears are going to be about a touchdown better than what they were a year ago. All right, we're going to step away, take a break. Coming up next, we're going to be joined by new Bears outside linebacker Aaron Lynch, Jeff Joniak, Tom Thayer, Jim Miller on Bears All Access, brought to you by IGS Energy. We'll continue the conversation after this on Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. Sign your child up for a fun, non-contact Chicago Bears youth football camp brought to you by Gatorade and Athletical Physical Therapy. Visit www.bearscamps.com to save $50 today. Jeff Joniak along with Tom Thayer and Jim Miller. Pleased to be joined by one of the newer Chicago Bears outside linebacker and veteran Aaron Lynch. Good evening, Aaron. Thanks for joining us. I hope all your summer is going well and that summer is starting to shrink. But for a guy like yourself coming to a new team after... Uh, several years in San Francisco and reconnecting with your old defensive coordinator, Vic Fangio. Your excitement level got to be well off the charts right now. Where, where's your mind at and where's your expectation level at for this 
uh, role you're going to play for the Chicago Bears. Well, hello, guys. Thank you for having me on the show. Um, yeah, my excitement level has been, shoot, off the roof right now, you know. You know, fresh new start over here. Uh, reconnected with Fangio. You know, coming into the system that I know already. And, uh, you know, I've been able just to focus this summer on just my body and my mind and getting in physical great shape to come to camp and uh, show my talents. Hey, Aaron, you know, I went to Notre Dame, so I've been following you for quite a long time. And, you know, you had a hiccup in your college career. You had a hiccup in your pro career. Why is Aaron Lynch going to be here in four years? What is it going to take for you to, to be here, be a part of the Bears in four years for to have that type of tenure? You know, I mean, uh, like you said, I've had these hiccups, and uh, I feel like everybody has some type of hiccups, you know, in their career in any in any business. So, I mean, I feel like I've had my hiccups, and uh, I've learned from my hiccups, and um, I just have a different mentality now, and uh, my mind is all in the right place. You know, outside of football, everything is just going great, and uh, it is just an amazing feeling right now, and I just have an amazing feeling how my future is going to go. And uh, that's basically what it is. You know, outside of football, everything is going amazingly great. So that's why I feel like, you know, I will have a pretty good and great career here with the Chicago Bears. Well, Aaron, Jim Miller here. Welcome to Chicago. And, you know, from, from that standpoint, when you talk about here, you're a more mature guy, you're you're ready to be a pro's pro, and then just getting reacclimated to Vic Fangio in his defense that you were introduced early uh, in your NFL career. How quickly has that been for you? And, you know, is it like riding a bike? Did you pick it up quick again where you feel you can excel moving forward? Yeah, it was almost, yeah, it was almost like, you know, you haven't ridden a bike for a while. You know exactly how to ride the bike, but it's just a different feeling, you know, just being out of it for – of a few years and whatnot, um, you know, I started to catch up on a lot of new things that he's put into the system, but it was a, it was an easy catch on, you know, I came in, I knew it. A lot of the plays were already haven't learned some of the new ones, but um, I mean, nothing phased me to the full on. It, it was just, it's just great. Aaron Lynch, our guest, Bears outside linebacker, Jeff Joniak, Tom Thayer, Jim Miller here on Bears All Access, brought to you by IGS Energy. If I may just go back to what you were talking with Tom about there, you said you have an amazing feeling, you're feeling great, everything off the field's great. What got you there? Was there a, was there a seminal moment for you that, that got yourself thinking, okay, the change of scenery, everything going well in my life, was there a singular moment that you feel is going to be your benchmark moment? Um, you know, like I said, I'll, it was my outside life that really changed everything for me. You know, I have three kids, two of my own, and um, with the last one, it's just been, you know, it's helped me find, it's made me more religious, and so there I've been just been spiritually free, free-minded, uh, free of just you know, all the things that I had in my past that kind of kept me from getting to where I got. I feel like my family has been a huge reason why I feel like everything is just amazing right now. And, you know, I think that's really what it was, was my family having these, having my boys, Messiah and Samson, and uh, just being a father. Being a father has really helped. Hey, Aaron, you know, when you see you guys all together, you're an easy guy to pick out of the group. And 6'6 plus 270, 
Why are you a linebacker, and why haven't you transferred to a defensive end throughout your career? Because I know I read about you in high school. You came out of a three-point stance, a defensive end, and then when I started watching you at Notre Dame and stuff, I'm going, wow, this guy is one of the biggest outside linebackers I've ever seen. What in your athletic background or what in your traits has kept you at that linebacker position? I mean, I guess just I I can move. I can move good. You know, I move well. I mean, I I know coming into the league, I was like, man, I want to be in a three-point stance, you know. And uh, playing in Vic's defense, as standing up, being able to see the whole offense, see what's going on before the ball is snapped. And then when he left, and then I had to go put my hand in the dirt a couple years after, which was, I mean, last year I had my hand in the dirt, and it just totally changed the game how I was used to. And um, I think just being able to, I think just moving, I don't know. Do you gain a faster advantage? Do you gain a faster advantage coming out of a two-point stance as opposed to you coming out of a three-point stance? You know, everybody has their different preference, but I do believe that, like, if you're standing up, being able to see the formations, being able to see – the quarterback's movements, you know, mm-hmm. right. the things that he does, even the offensive line, like you can, instead of seeing the person in front of you while you're standing, you can see the guy on the opposite side. And I feel like that gives you a major advantage on anybody that can't see those things while being in a three-point stand. Well, for, from your standpoint, you know, here, your years in San Francisco now, you're getting to know a, a new group of a gentlemen, you know, Akeem Hicks and all the all the players there, a young Leonard Floyd and, and players that have been there. How, you know, how do you prove yourself to them? Because they're, you know, they, they want to welcome, welcome you into the their fold as well in the locker room, but it sounds like all the vibes are great. But how, how do you create that, that sense of trust with your new teammates? You know, these guys have been great to me and they have been actually great for me you know they the way this defense as far as you know we're talking about defense as far as the defense goes these guys the way they attack practice attack the film room and just how they attack you know the locker room outside they just they are really keened in and if you don't come in you know you're not doing your part or you just come in with a big head and uh you know just all the things that you shouldn't be doing these guys wouldn't make you feel comfortable because they are all about doing all the right things. And I mean, they're you guys, come on now, you guys watch them. They're a bunch of dogs. <laughs> you got to be a dog to fit in with the dogs. So I guess, you know, me coming in, you know, not coming here and thinking like, I'm just going to come in here and take somebody's spot. You know, I came in here with the mindset. I'm going to earn everything. Show these guys that I earned to be in the locker room with them on the field with them. And, uh, it has just been, I guess, they, you know, they've been great with me. So I guess I'm doing all right. Aaron Lynch, our guest here on Bears All Access, brought to you by IGS Energy. A couple of more minutes with the Bears outside linebacker. We, we mentioned in the, the reacquainting with Vic Fangio, his coaching style, his mind, how it works, how he looks at defense versus other coaches you may have played for, not to demean them or to discount them, but has his impact on you been as most significant of any in your entire playing life, NFL, college, or otherwise? Um, definitely, most definitely. He's a genius. And he's, you know, he's more a genius. Uh, how do you explain it? Like, he knows how to exactly work with a guy. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, some D coordinators, not talking down on anybody, but just some D coordinators, they don't 
necessarily how to work with the actual player themselves. Vic knows how to work with each and every person, put them in each and every position that they're going to excel in. Because, I mean, he's got to excel too. So I feel like he just knows about who he's picking, you know, where he's putting these guys and how he's, they're going to fit his scheme and do the best they can for him. And um, I just got, coming into the league, you know, he he you know he he grabbed me out, grabbed me right out of South Florida, and uh, I did okay. I didn't I did pretty good, you know, for him as a rookie, and um, I felt like that led on a little bit after because it was the same type of def type of defense didn't have to change anything, and um, I guess he just has that type of uh, mojo he leaves with you, even if he you know you're not with him. Because you know he just—he's just that type of person. Aaron, in other words, does he know how to press your buttons to yeah, get you where you need yeah. to be? Yeah, he definitely does in the good ways and in the bad ways. He sometimes, you know, he can make you mad. You know, get 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 inside your head, but and that the outcome is always going to be greater than what you're feeling at the time. You know, so like sometimes he'll get onto me and make me feel like I'm doing more than somebody else's, and it, you know. You just mentally, you're like, man, why am I doing so much? But at the same time, he knows what he's doing. And uh, the outcome always is the greater benefit. Hey, Aaron, you come, you get a fresh start here with the Bears. You got two, a big-time first-rounder in Roquan, and they got Iggy, another another inside linebacker. Do those guys make you feel older and experienced, <laughs> or do they make you feel young because you're kind of attracted to their excitement and the fun they're having? It's kind of both, you know? It's like even even going into my fifth year, I'm still a young guy. I'm still young, you know, by age, and uh, a lot younger than a lot of dudes that we have <laughs> on the team. But man, both those dudes is their juice is just out there, and they kind of like it. Kind of like feeds off into your juice too, so they make you feel young because you're like, yeah. man, I'm gonna do what they're gonna do. I want to be like you know as juiced up as them for practice, <laughs> and. uh yeah, but then I feel old because I'm like, God, these kids are young. They, you know, they kind of got a not a young mentality, but you can just tell the young kids, you know, come straight out of college. You know, yeah, that's how they make me feel a little older. Aaron Lynch, our guest here on Bears All Access, we really appreciate the time. Uh, you know what? From my perspective, and not knowing you other than just uh, meeting you at uh, minicamp and so forth, and up at OTAs, you seem very happy and content and ready to roll. So we wish you luck and nothing but great success. You could play a huge role in this defense here in 2018. Good luck to you. Good luck, Aaron. Thank you. I appreciate it. Aaron Lynch, our guest here on Bears All Access. Joniak, Thayer, and Miller with you when we come back on Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. This segment of Bears All Access is orchestrated by CDW. CDW, people who get it. Jeff Joniak, Tom Thayer, and Jim Miller here on Bears All Access, brought to you by IGS Energy. Our final segment tonight, enjoyed that conversation with Aaron Lynch because, frankly, fellas, you know, the guy's got a load of potential. We know that. He has yet to realize that potential. When, when he does, let's, let's say the optimism, when he does, we're talking a double-digit sacker, an outside linebacker on a very good defense Well, you already. closed it by saying he could play a huge role in this defense. Huge. I mean, are, are you guys optimistic about this? I am. I, I think I am. I, mean, I think a lot of it for him, it sounds like it's where his heart is. Yeah. You know, like like Tom said, there's been some hiccups, you know. Uh, you know, when when he transferred out of, out of Notre Dame, you know, how much did he love football? Was his heart in it? All those type of things. I think everything is, everybody knows he's talented. I mean, he is physically just one of those gifted players um, that 
that's how he was born. You know, he's been given a, a, a gift. And now if the mind's right, if the mind's right, the body will follow. And, and I think that's really up to him. And, and it sounds like he, he's in a good place. Sounds like he's in a good locker room and with a good organization, with a coach who knows him extremely well. And don't forget, Vic Fangio did this a year ago with Kyle Fuller. Mm-hmm. I mean, think you, about you know, how he pushed his buttons and how well Kyle Fuller played a year ago. You know, every one of those specials that we saw about the rookies coming into the Bears, they always had one guy in their background was an instigator in their success. Let's hope at this stage of his life that Vic is the instigator of success for Aaron Lynch because, listen, folks, when you see this guy, he's oh. he's the guy that you want getting off the bus first right after Roy Robertson-Harris. <laughs> and then, you know, I mean, he's got all the skills. And you ask him, why aren't you a 300-pound defensive end? Because he's got the athletic ability to cover guys and, you know, and that and 6'6", 275. Yeah, it would be an awesome find oh, for this particular Bears defense. All right, fellas, we're doing our position look. Uh, running out of positions as we tick towards the start of training camp here in one of our last shows before training camp. We're going to go to the secondary, which last year, and Tom's talked about it, Jim, a hundred times. It was last the big, year. Yes. It was the big question. What was going to happen? Now we know we got some established guys back there. They still have to take a step. Will they? And we got... The starting four, as of right now, entering training camp intact. Kyle Fuller, Prince of Mukamara, Adrian Amos, and Eddie Jackson. And now they hope to be Bryce Callahan as a nickel and be pushed by these other guys. It should be a good thing with a better pass rush. What do you think? I like it. I think they're like an orchestra, all right? They're all in symphony. All right, all these guys have played together, and even guys that have stepped in, Bryce Callahan, Deion Bush, DeAndre Hall, Marcus Cooper, these guys all should be in sync with one another. They know what the coach has asked. They've all stepped on the field, even Cravon uh, LeBlanc. Mm-hmm. You know, so all these guys should know exactly everything about each other, what the coach wants to accomplish, what he wants to execute, and I think they are going to be in sync. I expect the turnovers to go up even more. It was an uptick last year. I expect an uptick this year from this group because they've all played together, including Sherrick McManus. I mean, let's face it, not all all those guys have played that I just said, mm-hmm. every one of them. So more is expected, and this group is intact to start out, and we'll see if it goes. If one guy drops out, if one guy falls out due to injury, another guy should be ready to step up and play because they've already done it. You know, Mark, Marcus Cooper Sr., DeAndre Hall, those two guys got to come up and play some football because, y- you know, we have we had hope for Adrian Amos, and he fulfilled all of our hope, and I think that his arrow is still pointing up, and he's going to play better. We knew nothing about Eddie Jackson, what he was going to do is come in here and contribute to this football team, and we got the best out of both of them. But now you see these guys, Marcus Cooper Sr. being a high-priced free agent that was brought in here. He's got to play to his size. He's got to play more like a Charles Tillman. You got to go out there and use your six one and a half as a weapon. And we need to see more of that. And then DeAndre Hall. Here's another guy that's been blessed with size, but what is he? He's never been able to stay at one position in as a cornerback or a, a slot corner or a safety. So I mean, you got to get something out of his his size and his style, or you know. So those are going to be the guys that are going to have to come in and contribute to make this a unit. And the health, the health for for a guy like Callahan, for example, mm-hmm. when he is healthy for a consistent period of time, he makes plays. He's a blitzer. He's physical despite his size. He's a very confident young player. Um, Cravon LeBlanc, they're they're yeah. similar in each other. Oh yeah, LeBlanc. I mean, you talk about the word dog that he's got. He's a dog. Yeah, he's like that way. I got one for you, Jim. 
from your analysis at the draft and so forth, Kevin Tolliver, an interesting candidate to make some noise if he can stay healthy as well. I think he was nicked a little bit in OTAs. He's a 6'2", 192-pound cornerback at LSU with, again, a five-star recruit attachment to his name, one of the top young corners coming out of high school. Uh, where is he at? He had, he had two. He had some hiccups at LSU. But if this guy, he's talented now. What do you know? Yeah, yeah I think, you know, I, I think for him, college free agent, like you said, he has the size that you're looking for at 6'2", 192. I think ultimately in terms of the techniques and everything he's going to be asked to do, I think he's going to be a practice squad player that is going to be interesting and a guy they're going to want to develop. You know, Bears have have drafted other uh, college free agents as well that have played significant playing time. Matter of fact, one is now a Detroit Lion as a linebacker. <laughs> I think we know who, who I'm talking about from that standpoint. So Kevin is an interesting guy that I think that they're just going to want to marinate, develop, and see where it goes with that young player because he's got the size and the athleticism that you mentioned and comes from a good program down there at LSU that kicks out a lot of top phenomenal athletes, and Kevin is one of them. Yeah, he reminds me of Leslie Frazier. He's got a bigger body. He's tall. He's got some length to him. But the best thing that you just mentioned, Jim, he's got some quality college reps. They got athletes down there, and they got the best conditions to practice in. So if you're in that conference, whether you're playing in a game or you're playing against your practice opponents, you're, you're always getting reps. So who are you referring to? The big cheese. Oh, the okay. Linebacker. I thought so. I thought we were talking about the secondary. That's why you threw Christian me for Christian Jones. I was going to yeah. say I didn't want to look dumb. <laughs> yeah, well, hey, I love well, that think guy. about him. That guy. He was... He was expected to be a fourth-round pick, and the Bears got him as yeah, a yeah, free yeah. agent. Yeah, he no. played then, a lot for the Bears. Christian Jones is like the DeAndre Hall of the defensive backfield. You're never able to settle into one position your but, whole but, career but, uh, to you know, be able to I know, flourish. But oftentimes, that's not even on the player. There's little. There was, there's a log gem. There's no room at the end, Listen, and, and they if, have projections. If Christian Jones was great at one position, he would yeah. never leave that position. The thing about it is he was never able to capitalize on the – athleticism they see out of him in practice and you have to everything's got to connect this week on inside the bears go behind the scenes on draft night with roquan smith and spice adams catches up with his former teammate matt forte inside the bears airs saturdays at 6 p.m on cw 50 chicago and sundays at 10 35 p.m on fox 32 chicago you can all watch show segments online at chicagobears.com or on the chicago bears official app anytime fellas we fooled them again jim miller we're done tom thayer Jeff Joniak, we're out of time. Thanks, as always, to uh, our, uh, our our folks out there listening at home. And, uh, you know, we got a lot of things covered here today, despite uh, not having a lot to talk about on the lead-up to training camp. Well, let's, That's you know how what? it works. If the best thing about this show is Aaron Lynch starts 16 games, then this was one darn good show. Yeah. <laughs> we appreciate it, as always. We'll talk to you next time here on Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. Thanks for listening to this Chicago Bears Network presentation of Bears All Access. Podcasts are available on ChicagoBears.com and on iTunes or download the official Bears mobile app. Bears All Access has been brought to you by IGS Energy and sponsored by CDW, PNC, and Ford.